This is a Triple J podcast. Pip, here is another podcast that we have been chasing for years. It finally happened. We finally got the imperfects on the hookup. Seriously, we were so excited about this chat. I don't know if I'm even allowed to say this because I am from the hookup and the ABC, but in my wrapped for a certain brand, mm. for the top podcast, it was the imperfects. Incredible. <laughs> and I listen to the hookup every week. Were you starstruck when you met them? Yeah, 100% because I've been listening to this podcast for years and so I just thought it was so valuable and it would be so valuable for everyone who listens to The Hookup to be like introduced to The Imperfects if they haven't already. Yeah, exactly. And obviously they are the perfect guests to attack this massive topic that we did a bit of a two-parter on talking about masculinity but in this particular one, maybe focusing a bit more on vulnerability and that's the name of their game. Like they get these incredible guests on to talk about their imperfections. Yeah, even um, if you're a fan of Triple J, you know Lewis Hobber. Yeah. Like he did an episode with them recently and spoke about his battle with anxiety. So, you know, Grant Denyer, Pip is a huge, that's an episode you love. I was obsessed with um, Hamish McDonald, um, Q&A obviously, if you're an ABC fan. Um, yeah, speaking about all the times that he's been like – gone through it, been vulnerable and gotten out of that place. So oh, Linda Mariano as well. Oh my God, literally so, so many, many people. people. Yeah. But like the whole point of the podcast is about talking about your imperfections, like right. hence the title. And Ryan, so Ryan Shelton, comedian, um, who you might know through some of the stuff he's done with like Rove and Hamish and Andy, um, is like a part of the imperfects. And Josh Van Cullenberg and Hugh Van Cullenberg as well. Mm. Um, Hugh Van Cullenberg is a part of the Resilience Project, which has been around for ages. And, yeah, they've kind of created this this podcast beast. It does so well. Yeah, uh, Pip and I were really lucky to chat to both Josh and Ryan. Yeah. Hugh couldn't make it. Unfortunately. And he will not be getting any Triple J merch. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was such a beautiful chat. Obviously, we want to um, play it out for you in full. So enjoy. Something that you both talk about a lot on The Imperfects is kind of the gist of The Imperfects is perfection. And that is something that I think a lot of us struggle with. With The Imperfects, I think you guys really try and make that a normalized thing, right? Like each episode is like based off of talking about the things that make someone imperfect or the thing that they feel vulnerable about. Why do you think that this is such a struggle for so many people when it is such a relatable and universal thing? Like you guys have been doing the podcast for years and every week there's someone new opening up and talking about something that they feel is imperfect about them. God, I mean, <clears throat> first of all, thank you for having us on. Yeah. This is very, very cool. Very exciting. Um, it's fun to be in Triple J. I spent a lot <laughs> of time listening to Triple J. Um, <laughs> but um, look, this, I guess, look, Josh and I obviously aren't experts in this at all. We do a podcast about it and we've mm. spoken to a lot of people and we've spoken a lot about it ourselves. But um, yeah, I just want to reiterate to everyone, we're not anything close to a psychologist. So please, if I do start going down the path of giving advice, please just immediately ignore me. Um, <laughs> yeah. The best advice I could give. Yeah. Um, but I, I think generally, I guess we all just, we're modelled behaviour our whole life. And mm. so we we can only really go off what we see. I mean, I forget who said this, but you can only be what you can see. Mm. And so, you know, like my, my, my dad is not a vulnerable person. You know, I'll tell him that... You know, if I if I ever say I love you, he'll be like, okay, great, and that's I know he loves me. It's not an issue of that, but saying the words uh, that saying how you feel out loud 
even if there's no one in the room, mm. can feel terrifying because we've never, often we've never heard other men do it. Yeah. So it really requires someone to start. Um, and then usually we find, I don't know how you feel, Josh, but yeah. usually we find that, especially on the show, but if someone starts, it's sort of like, it's like, oh, it's not that bad. It's like someone jumps in the cold water first. It's like, oh, they're doing it. So that's, then they're, they're okay. And then someone else does it and then you're all doing it and you feel closer. Yeah. Mm. I think uh, one of the things I've learned over the journey of talking to so many impressive people and people I look up to, I think f- somewhere along the line, I don't know how, but I think I got this message in my brain that, um, well, A, that those people are kind of perfect, which is sort of obviously a myth, but also that they wouldn't be going through the same kind of struggles as I am internally. And then to hear people who have been really successful, it's like in my mind you had to be have this amazing resilience, not no problems going inside to reach a level of success and to thrive in the world. Uh, and then to hear these people that I've looked up to for my whole life suddenly say all these insecurities and stuff that they've gone through and trauma, some quite intense traumas, but even small insecurities and trivialities that I feel and see them still thriving was just this amazing uh, doorway for me to think, oh, okay, you can feel all these things and still have a really great life. Uh, but it's just about being honest about it and talking about it more uh, is is sort of where I'm at at the moment. With it. And, and there's also the other element of it that we've found and I've found personally uh, is you hold on to these secrets that, you know, that we have and we have these things that we'll never tell anyone about ourselves, like this very mm. close guarded secret that you fear that if it ever got out or if anyone ever found out about it, your reputation would be ruined or you'd become unemployable or whatever it might be whatever it might be and not to dismiss the fact that there are illegal things that people well, are, <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm not talking about yeah, illegal yeah, things yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking more about like for example for me it was for years I kept this close guarded secret that I took pills to make my hair grow because I was going bald and so I was like well I can't tell anyone mm. that because that would be horrific because then people know that I should be bald and I'm like faking something and so I went to these great great lengths to hide this secret like I would go to the same chemist that by the time I got to the house I was then in for 10 years I was going I was driving half an hour to get to this particular (laughs) chemist in this particular suburb because for whatever reason I trusted that that chemist would keep my secret (laughs) I don't know why and then eventually on the podcast Hugh started talking about the fact that he takes this product and my heart is racing because I'd never told anyone that I also take it. And I just felt like, well, we do this podcast. It's all about vulnerability. And it was just a moment that I'd not planned for, but I said that I also do it. And then since then, as soon as I said it, and I heard that Hugh did as well, and I've since heard about hundreds of other guys who also have contacted me, I realized, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Mm. What was I worried about? And if anything, it made me it made me so much more relaxed in life. I mean, I don't know if I save a lot of petrol. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a plus. <laughs> and it's expensive petrol, as we know. So, uh, so yeah, it it's it sort of uh, I think it just it can connect you to people. That's the thing with vulnerability. When you're vulnerable, you do feel more connected with people, and mm. that is the name of the game. Mm. Um, but also, it uh, it just takes a weight off sometimes. You know, and that's something that I think we learnt from doing our Instagram call out, hearing from all the guys who follow us and it's that connectivity that they are craving and they just don't have. And something that you said before, Ryan, about your relationship with your dad, like 
having that role model who doesn't necessarily like pass on those like learned behaviors of just being able to open up and talk about things like that's something that I think is a massive deal which I think is maybe why potentially guys struggle with this more than women like would you say that that's something that you would agree with um I think that there are to go back to what you said about you can only be what you can see, I think that's a pretty important part of it in that there aren't many if examples. You're, if you're uncomfortable, I can speak on behalf of women if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to. But you let me know if you want me to step in. <laughs> um, I think there, uh, traditionally, for a long time, there have been very limited examples of what it is to be a man for guys growing up to see. Uh, and I think it's just saying that you can you can be vulnerable and it's not going to cost anything. And in fact, it's actually going to breed more connection, which will go just the infinite uh, improvements in your mental health and your life once you have authentic connections going on are just mind-blowing. So the, the knowledge, seeing people being able to do that, that you look up to, I think is a pretty important step. But it's pretty terrifying. Like, I, I don't want to make it sound like it's a small thing. Like, I... I remember I had a I saw a um psych a psychologist when I was nineteen or something. It didn't really work out for me with this particular psychologist. And when I tell you this story, I think you'll understand why. But I remember breaking up with this girl, and I uh, wrote her a note, just uh, like a letter, just to like a note to say th- basically a thank you for like what we've experienced, and like a, I understand it's over, but I just want to thank you for what we've been through and the person I've become from knowing you. And I read it to him this psychologist and said, I'm going to give it to her. And his reaction was, geez, you really like lead with your heart, don't you? Like it was a bad thing. Oh, hmm. oh, like wow. you're, you need to like, no. you, the answer here is to lock up a bit and be a bit more of a man. Oh, yeah. Geez. And so that was a message I was getting from a professional in 2000 and when was that? 2004. Wow. Um, and so, I just wish at that point in my life someone had told me to lean into that a bit more and that that's a strength and that's something that's going to actually grow because once I started, once we started doing this show and I started being a bit more vulnerable and open, the amount of the improvement in my relationships, the improvement in my mental health um, has just been exponential. So, um, yeah, we've got a long way to go. Mm. Wow. That just like breaks my heart because it's like imagine if you had gone at that age to see so because I hear so many stories and even just from like men in my life have like a shitty experience and this is not you know there's incredible psychs but have a mm. shitty experience with being so vulnerable by maybe going to the GP and asking for a mental health plan or yeah. seeing mm. a psych and then having an experience like that and then being like I'm never ever doing that again yeah 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 and I just think about the mental health that some of these people could like this this that they might be in now if they had gone and gone for years and had a good experience. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I subsequently, to defend psychs, have a a psychologist has changed my life that I saw for about eight years. So it's like dating. You might find, you've got to find the right one and he was not the right one. Exactly. (laughs) You know, like, and also just like that gendered response to that, like being like, oh, well, that's a bit weak because you're being emotional and vulnerable. Mm. And I keep thinking about this message actually when we did our call out. Somebody actually messaged us and was like, this is like slight trigger warning on this, but they were in hospital and they were self-harming and the professionals were like treating that as like a woman's like issue. They were literally like, oh, that's a bit femme of you to do that, which is when was oh, this? crazy. It would have been not recently, hopefully. hopefully I think they were not. talking about years ago yeah. that it happened to them. 1905. Yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah, it blows your mind because it's literally like this is, this issue is so pervasive, not mm. only in like, you know, 
friend circles and families but like yeah if professionals are like saying that to you it's just outrageous the, ge- the gendered like, yeah, like assumptions of what makes a man what makes a it man. like yeah weak and strong and stuff like that and you, what makes a woman a woman in that case yeah kind of all a bit messed up totally yeah. and you know that girl would have loved to get that message like i know oh, i was my brain I was just like, went mm, if my sh- ex which i'm still fucking waiting on by the way oh, i did, I did <laughs> if, send it Oh, well, you yeah. did? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I, even then, I was like, good. I don't know about you. And I sent the note anyway. Yeah, good. And I'm like, I'm I think I need so to get this glad. off my Yeah, I chest. bet she would have. Uh, I did it, but I felt like it was a bit shameful and kind of a bit weak to do yeah. it. But I felt like I didn't have a choice. So I felt like, I guess to the point I was trying to make before, I feel like a bit of, I, I'm not sure I'm a great person to listen to for how you can be more vulnerable as a young guy because I've always felt like I've always wanted to be but just Mm. couldn't do it Mm. and I've done it in little bits and it's a bit it is a bit scary because I think you it's it's also easy for us to say just be vulnerable but you got to be careful with who you're vulnerable with Mm -hmm. because people there are people who are going through things and have gone through a lot who can use that against you so I think it's really important to always be vulnerable never force it and be vulnerable with people you really trust Mm. um, and care about and care about you I wonder if Josh like I wonder if you saw that psych now because I hear that now with all the knowledge that we now have from Mm. doing the podcast and speaking to so many great people like I hear that and I think well even though he's a psychologist like that just tells me that he he felt extremely uncomfortable about a man being vulnerable because he is unable to be vulnerable even though he's a psychologist but we assume because he's a psychologist that he is like superhuman yeah, and, yeah, you know, but he is clearly not like no yeah. one is, um, and so I, I, I think now I would if I saw him and he got he said something like that, of course I'd be hurt and a bit annoyed because mm. that cost me two hundred bucks, um, <laughs> but also I'd probably think I think oh well he's he's got a long way to go, yeah, himself. Mm. yeah, yeah, I, I you know he's clearly not in a place where he's able to feel comfortable with vulnerability, which mm. he should be. But it's kind of part of his job, but yeah, part of his job, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, but like you know, but like you guys said, like you know, not all psychs are good, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and that's a shame, but it's the truth. A different strain of that is like I always think to hurt people, hurt people. Happy people don't hurt people, mm-hmm. and it's like sometimes in, in the moment it's really hard when someone's hurting you, or being like you know acting in a way that like is hurtful. It's hard to go to that place of being like they're not meaning to. Mm-hmm. It's not coming from a place of like happy. They're not happy in themselves. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You spoke Josh just before about what needs to change a little bit of, of, for young guys to be able to feel more comfortable and authentic in themselves to express maybe their more emotional side or their mm. you know the sides that society has always kind of said to like lock down. And you spoke about seeing like men in a variety. Like I feel like at the moment we're seeing like really polarizing ideas of manhood or masculinity Mm. it's like the andrew tates on the extreme but then there's like you know the harry styles the the men who are really leaning into the feminine aspects of Mm. themselves or whatever it is and i think a lot of young guys are like confused and then getting caught up in the andrew tate side of masculinity and we spoke to dr zach seidler a lot about this but when it comes to like role models what can young guys you've interviewed so many people what can who can young guys look to and, and where can they look for places of like role models where they can grab stuff that makes them think about masculinity in a different way that isn't so polarizing? I mean, one, one thing I, it's, yeah, I mean, there's so many people, there's so many great people now and we've spoken to a bunch of them, but also like 
I love the idea of men leaning into their feminine side, but you could also look at it in terms, if that's like too confronting for you as a young guy to think about it like that, you could just think about it in terms of leaning into just more your human side because mm. it really is, um, it, it is, it doesn't have to seem like this big um, controversial dramatic shift. Um, it can just be you being letting your real self underneath whether you want to call it ego or whatever it might be, but um, the Andrew Tates of the world, like that's like I, I, I like to believe that somewhere in there there's a good person, <laughs> you know, there's like a, a human, um, caring, empathetic person, but for for whatever reason, whatever I don't know his story, I've sort of avoided him mostly, but um, there's clearly something that's probably happened, or there's some sort of fear or something that's going on for him and like so many men and women, but like so many men uh, that they feel the need to come across as this like completely in control, Mm. got life sorted, um, rich, powerful, whatever it might be. Um, And it may or may not be true, but for that to be your identity kind of cuts you off from so much connection because as if you want to open up to someone, if you want to be someone who you want people to be able to come to for help or for advice or if you act like that, people are not going to want to approach you and, and open up to you. Like it's just the more we are vulnerable on our podcast or just in general life, the more people feel comfortable coming to us and trusting us and feeling safe around mm. us. And I think that's why people are comfy coming on the podcast is because we're uh, vulnerable ourselves. And I think in life, if the more vulnerable you are, it doesn't have to be like huge vulnerabilities. It doesn't have to... You don't have to tell people you take hair tablets, but you know <laughs> it could be it could be very small things. Mm. But um, the more you the more you do that and show people and model to other to your friends or to anyone that you're that you think that that's okay and you're actually all for it, um, mm. you'll you'll definitely find. I think mm. again, this is me giving advice. I so ignore this. Um, you'll definitely find that your connections and relationships will will strengthen massively. Yeah. I, um, like Ryan, I've kind of avoided uh, Andrew Tate. I don't really know. I, I know the broad strokes, but I don't really know much about him or what he says. So as far as responding to him or people like him, it's tricky for me to do so. But I, I, think, I think as a young man, I think there's a reframing that can happen where you look at... Because, um, I, I mean, I'll just talk for myself. As a young guy growing up, I think I wanted to be... Um, Confident, strong, like strong meaning like, you know, sort of leadership sense um, and kind of frictionless in moving through life would be some things I'd like to be. And when I think of people like that, I think of people who show actually incredible empathy and compassion for other people. Because I think empathy and compassion is often framed as a, when you're a young man, as a kind of weakness. Whereas I think it's actually a strength to be able to let people into your world and be compassionate and think about other people. So I think there's a reframing on empathy and compassion that could need to happen. I wish I'd, it was fostered more in me because I think it's something that feels great. I think we all feel good when we do it and it only breeds more happiness for us and the people around us. Um, so seeing that as a, real, as a point of strength and a desirable sort of leadership role, and I think there are plenty of leaders in sport who in the sporting field who are starting to show that in the way that they go about their business. Um, but, uh, yeah, I lost myself a little bit here in where I'm going with the next bit. But um, 
No, I well, like, I really like the the empathy and, you know, leaning into that because I, it's like, and the vulnerability, I think, you know, if people aren't on the Brené Brown tr- train mm-hmm. and they have not consumed mm-hmm. her content, which we all obviously have and especially you two and it's what you, this is definitely what you do in The Imperfects, but it's like I think we always have thought vulnerability as a weakness mm. and it's like such a strength, but you, it's like you said, you have to take the baby steps to get there to realise that. Mm. Well, yeah. I, I felt a lot. Uh, if we wanted to use the terms of weak and strong, I felt a lot weaker as a person when I wasn't being openly vulnerable. And it was the moment that I started to be vulnerable with Ryan, Hugh, and then turns out a lot of people started listening, that I started to feel like myself, probably properly for myself in all aspects of life. I was certainly had it with my relationship and my family, but sort of stopped there. And I was, I'd, I think we all know the feeling of like going into jobs that you feel like you don't know what you're doing and you're kind of faking your way through it. Mm. And then in your end and you end the get home at the end of the day. And for, for some, you're in tears. Some days you're in tears. Sometimes you just feel so shit about yourself because you've been trying to prove something to yourself and everyone all day. But the moment I started being vulnerable is the moment I started to feel like myself and feel strong in myself and actually felt good about myself for in forever so there's a i think there's a uh, unconscious whatever because i think we were taught this from such a young age it feels like the goal of life and i reckon particularly for guys the goal of life is to win or Mm. be the best it's in whatever you do every industry has awards um but we grow up watching like the oscars the olympics and it's like if people don't win they're devastated. Mm. And it's like, so we feel like we need to be the best at what we do. We need to make the most money because that represents like you're valued the most Mm. at work. When in reality, it's like winning and being the best. There are so many stories from very successful people uh, who, and they'll tell you that being the best and winning, being the richest, being the most famous. It's such a cliche thing. A thousand people have said this already, but uh, it does. It doesn't make you. Not only does it doesn't make doesn't make you happy. It doesn't improve your connection with people. Mm. And we now know through probably scientists even smarter than me um, <laughs> um, that that have proven that connection is the main aim of the game. That yeah. is what we're trying to do. And there's been so many people who've come on our podcast, and they've been really, and myself included, and Josh as well. Mm. Like, we knew in this particular episode we're going to share this big thing. So a guest who's maybe never spoken about a certain thing in their life and they come on and they're terrified because they're worried that if they tell, if they talk like this, the the, the audience will then th- only think about them in terms of that, share, that story mm. and they won't see them as a comedian anymore. They won't find them funny or they won't, you know, all that sort of stuff. That will define them. What they find and what I found is when you you are the most vulnerable that you feel comfortable to be and when you share the thing that you thought was unshareable, uh, when I did that, I got the most positive feedback that I've ever got for anything I've ever done in my life. Mm. And there are a bunch of other people who've come on our podcast who said exactly the same thing. Wow. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like Ben and Liam at one point when they were brekkie mm. presenters on Triple J Radio. Oh, it was a cultural reset that moment. Yeah, it was a huge moment when they were like, hey, we just can't 
do this anymore. Like you are bullying us. Because we have day. a text line on Triple J where the text wow. cut, you yeah. see them in like real time. Yeah, yeah. And so when they first started, they got so much abuse. Yeah. Wow. So much abuse, but they did like a video. Yeah. And they sort of opened up about how it was really affecting them. And then immediately it was like a floodgate opening of people just being on their side, really trying to like comfort them wow. and, you know, be in their corner and be like, we love you. You're amazing. Like, don't listen to these yeah. other people. It's funny, like, what you were saying about, like, that kind of imperative of guys, like, growing up, you want to win, you want to be successful and strong. And, like, I was thinking about your episode with, like, Grant Denyer, um, which was maybe arguably, like, one of your most powerful, like, people on yeah, Twitter and incredible. stuff were, like, just mm. popping off mm. about it. Um, and, like, I remember in the episode he said, like, it's so beautiful to make mistakes. Like, mm-hmm. that was, like, a huge takeaway and he was trying to teach his kids that. And... Yeah, like bringing that back around to like men who feel like they can't make mistakes, they can't fail. And and like, Mm. I mean, everyone feels like this, but, you know, topic on guys. Like, that's huge. Like for somebody like that to say that and be really open and vulnerable about that is incredible. I also really want to know about like your journeys with it because, Ryan, you were saying that like you were like, okay, at this point my relationships got better. Everything started to like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you feel the connection Mm. and everything like that. For both of you, like, how did you get there? Like, apart from doing the podcast where you are forced to do this, like, as a job. But, like, if we were to give some advice for anyone listening, like, how do you unlock that ability to open up and talk? I think it's got... Well, I think it has to be baby steps, don't you think? Like, yeah. you To go... Unless you feel really safe with someone, to go from never being vulnerable to suddenly dropping the biggest thing about you with someone... Trauma dump. It's a pretty... <laughs> Like that's intense yeah. and you might, and it might not go well and you might leave and never do it again. Like me with the letter. <laughs> no, um, I did do it again. So I guess that <laughs> analogy doesn't work, but I, I think you, you sent her the same letter again. <laughs> <laughs> Every single day. For Every day. Yeah, yeah. On the anniversary. The no- is that the notebook? Yeah. yeah. The notebook. Yeah. <laughs> not creepy at all. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I think it's small steps. I think one of the things that is inherent in what we're talking about as well is that we all need to know that being just who we are is enough uh, and that we don't have to be like other people to be valued and to have value. And the more that you can start sharing vulnerable things that make that you see as weaknesses or negatives is a step in the direction of people accepting you for who you are. And it might feel terrifying to to do that but the closer you can get to being seen as who you are by the people around you, I, well, for me anyway, is the moment I've actually started to be able to engage more with life and thrive because I actually feel like I'm okay and I'm not living in shame. So that's that's the journey that it felt like for me. As far as how you do it, I think it just has to be small little steps that you start to feel comfortable because you shouldn't really force this stuff because if you do force it, it might go badly. So I think with people who you care about who care about you, just start, just try it. Just try something small that you think you can handle. Being so beautifully said, I can that's spot yeah. on. Yeah, it's exactly that. It's, it's, it's little things, but it's um, but yeah, it's really trying to. I mean, for me, I, I doing the podcast like we do, we didn't we didn't think that it would be a, a big thing. We, we I certainly did not think, like my relationship with vulnerability before meeting Hugh and thinking even thinking about this podcast was was zero. I had no I had mm. never thought about it. 
Um, and and so it, it just happened organically. I was very lucky that I met Hugh, but then and then I met Hugh, and then he, I felt safe enough to talk to him about the things that I was going through, and and that sort of then, you know, avalanched from there. You know, it became a thing. But but now I'm just I'm just so I'm so grateful because it means that uh, there are a bu- there have been a bunch of people in my life who've been comfortable to message me, or talk to me about the struggles they're having, and because I am a obsessed with it now. I'm obsessed with like not only vulnerability but just becoming the best version of mm. of you. Kind of like Josh, what you were saying, I think, is like becoming you know, we often because we're comparing ourselves to other people so much and trying to kind of be the you know, like if you see someone like a friend of yours is doing better than you, for for whatever reason you think like, oh well I have to do as well as they're doing. Mm. Not like I need to do as well as I can do and just do the best. Because you cannot do better than you can do. You cannot. It's actually impossible. So why not just try and be the best version of you because that is the ceiling. The best version of you is the ceiling. You can't be better than you. I don't know if that's good advice or not. (laughs) No, I love that because it's your story, Ryan, for no one who has listened to it before, is about the fact that like that that meet up with Hugh, you had this like huge realization that you wanted to have your own like your life goal was to have your own TV show. Mm, Like mm. you pictured yourself winning this award, like an Emmy or whatever, being the best ever. And then you like pictured it happening and you were like, I felt nothing. Oh yeah. And it's like you opening up and telling Hugh that and you were like really confused about, you know, what to do. And you're like, well, my whole life plan has been to do this thing. Well, I mean, a real life example, it's it's not me and it's way more powerful than my story. But Andre Agassi, um, for those, if if, if you haven't read Andre Agassi's biography, it's called Open. It's really, really great book that's not really about tennis. It's sort of about his own journey to be the best. And he, from five years old or younger, his dad was like one of those kind of like Tiger Woods dads, which was just like, you know, throwing, you know, launching a million tennis balls a week at him. And he just had to, and he said to Andre from being a kid, he's like, you, you know, you're going to be the best in the world, number one, and you're going to win a grand slam. That's the goal. And so Andre, from as young as he could remember, that was what he was working towards. And it took him till he was, I don't know how old he was, but it took Andre Agassi quite a long time to win a grand slam and to become number one when he started playing professionally. But, and he's, and he was miserable. He hated tennis when he was playing. He just hated it, but he knew he, he was good at it. So he knew he had to keep going and make his dad proud and all these things. Anyway, he tells the story about he, he is at Wimbledon and championship point wins the point wins Wimbledon. And he knew that if he won Wimbledon, he would then become number one in the world. So hits the point wins falls to his knees and as he describes it, he's like, I knew I was number one. I'd done everything I'd ever dreamed of and I felt nothing. Hmm. It, he didn't care. It didn't mean anything to him. And that then he was obviously so confused. I mean, he then went, his dad wasn't actually there. His dad was back in Las Vegas where, they, where he lives. And he went back and he called his dad and he said, dad, he hadn't heard from me yet. And he said, dad, did you see? I won. I won. Like he was you know, trying to get the validation from his dad. <laughs> yeah. And so Andre Agassi he won in four sets. And his dad's like, yeah, I, saw, I watched, I watched. That's great. What happened in the second set? What do you think oh went wrong? Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. And so, anyway, so kind of that changed his life. He then turned, to, he kept playing tennis, but he turned his like focus to like starting schools. And, you know, now he's he's done incredible work. But he lived that thing that I kind of like visualized 
happening, which is that if you get everything you want, what if it doesn't make you happy? Mm. And um, yeah, that 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 was a that I mean that changed my life. That realization, yeah. Yeah, mm. it is. I mean, I don't want to brag, but we just want a podcast award. Oh, <laughs> did you? Did you? Yeah. Oh, well done. Sure but like, did. congrats. Thank you. But in that moment, Forget I was everything like, everything I said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Awards matter. No, it was no, it did. But in that moment, it was like, oh wow, this is incredible. But I've had moments this year that are like in my relationship that were more incredible. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? I've had moments this year where it, the connection with other people is what makes me cry it's like mm. cool that's amazing that we won that but from one minute to the next mm. I was like cool what next but then there's like other moments that I've had this year where I've been like that's it's something that I've thought of like you know you, like the, it car- the happiness carries on for weeks it's mm. like mm. way more of a pivotal thing and it, it is those moments of vulnerability it's like the conversations I've had with my partner or a friend and it's like you've both just been really vulnerable and said stuff that you've never told anyone mm. else mm. and that to me is like been the biggest highs of this year than like winning the podcast award and yeah. i'm like i don't want guys to miss out on that feeling like the mm. elation and the relief and like just the connectivity as you're saying when you open up to a friend or a partner or something like that you know so many guys were messaging us being like oh this one guy who said uh i my partner gets weirded out when i cry in front of her i'm literally begging my partner i'm like please cry in front no, of me give me a tear like literally give cry like just one tear like mm. it's so hot <laughs> like to be mm. weird but like I'm literally like, vulnerability to me is like attractive it's a yeah. green flag like it's really really beautiful and then yeah again with the friend thing as well like a lot of guys were saying to us they can have these kind of surface level banter chats with their mates but they find it really hard to either either be vulnerable and open up about something but something that I don't know if you noticed but a lot of guys were like I can sort of have those chats with my friends but it's the asking for help is like the next part of that is really really mm. difficult which I found super interesting and like the list there were people who were like we'd the one vulnerable thing that we would say it's kind of like the partner being like why are you crying it's like we had people message and say i would say this vulnerable thing and the person would shut down and be weird and be like oh what the hell and change the conversation and i feel like with what you do so much of your job is listening. Yeah. yeah so I know you like saying I'm not an expert, but I feel like you are like professional listeners to hearing other people's <laughs> vulnerability, mm. which is such a skill in mm. itself. Mm. Especially if you're like, I don't know, people and I always talk about it like we need to like talk constantly and like fill the space. We're just professional. So it's something that we struggle <laughs> with when someone is, you know, like their silence. So we just were like, oh, well, here's a mm. funny thing. And like, well, yeah, there yeah. is, I mean, there is something like, like Pip, I'm glad you brought that up about crying. So like, mm. I don't cry. Like, this is a, a thing that I, yeah. it's not that I don't feel comfortable doing. I just never cry. It's so strange. I wish I cried, <laughs> but I don't. And and so I'm only saying that just to sort of say to guys, you don't have to, you know, vulnerability comes in so many different yeah, forms. Yeah. Um, and there's like, you know, crying and tearing up at films and stuff. I don't, I don't do that. I mean, I've done it every now and again, but it has to be pretty, has to really hit me in a very specific place. Um, but but the, on the listening side, I, I think it's, it, people would say that it could be a very vulnerable thing it is a very vulnerable act like for that psychologist who didn't listen to you josh the vulnerable thing for him to do would have been even though he felt uncomfortable would have been to just hold the space and let you speak Mm. and just and not shoot it down yeah because and i think as a to to listen to someone even if you feel uncomfortable and to let them talk and just sort of like 
lean into that conversation that whatever they're talking about just lean into it a little bit see how it feels that's extremely vulnerable just mm. to just you don't have to say anything just to listen is actually extremely vulnerable as well mm. i think um we didn't really it might sound strange but we didn't really set out to be we didn't know we were being vulnerable when we started the show mm. like we it was actually um i hope you don't mind me saying this I don't know what you're going to say. No. <laughs> I'll can, go for it then. We can edit it out if <laughs> yeah, you yeah. don't want it to be. Ryan um, is an unconvicted murderer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can talk about the body. Right, yeah, uh, you're yeah. like, remember that time that you knocked on <laughs> yeah. my door and you had the bag? And- <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it. It seems yeah. like the time to bring it up. Great. No, um, so uh, we, when we started the show, we wanted to have these conversations with well-known people and find out. And it was about perfection and imperfection was the, was the angle that we were going for. And what... Uh, and Ryan and I, Ryan and I, um, sort of coincidentally, and we didn't actually know this, both see the same psychologist, um, and we found that out once we'd been seeing her for quite a while um, separately, and um, obviously, um, and <laughs> did someone suggest a group <laughs> session? A group session. Went, Let's go yeah, together. Yeah. Save but, money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what she said after listening to a few episodes, her first thing was like, "What you guys are actually doing is modelling vulnerability." And that was the first time mm. I'd known that and I'd realised that. Mm. And so I think what is interesting there for guys is that the the outcome has been that we've been having these really vulnerable conversations, but it was, it was never the intention. The intention was to have really honest conversations and funny conversations and make a fun and have fun doing it. And, and the, our guiding rod was basically like, is this enjoyable? And yeah. are we having interesting conversations? And from that, from a sort of... From a commitment to honesty, having fun, and um, being interesting, or, be, or or finding things interesting, we ended up sort of stumbling across vulnerability as a thing. So I don't think you necessarily also need to hit this head on with like we're going to be vulnerable now. Yeah, there are yeah. there are si- there are entrances in that can feel more comfortable for people, and that was our way in. And as a result. I'm now obsessed with, like as a writer, like if I'm writing comedy or performing, I'm now obsessed with the truth, like the truth, mm. truth, and trying to somehow, in a funny, interesting way, like talk about things I'm going through. Whereas years ago, I, you know, I've done, I've worked on a bunch of different shows and made a bunch of different things, but I always felt, I always hid behind like a version of myself, which was like this silly kind of egotistical version of myself, which I still, I still use, but... um but now it's like now I'm like oh actually the power the the the, the work is really really good when it's really true mm. not when I'm like pretending that something's true or like kind of doing a popular you know, you know like sharing something which I think will resonate with people mm. but I'm mm. actually talking the truth because you think it's going to be niche you think no one's going to get it but then you say it. And about a thousand people get in contact with you saying me too. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, oh, maybe I'm not that strange. Maybe, maybe I am just, everyone's going through this, but no one's talking about it. And I think there's something in that with, um, we listen, uh, we both listened to this episode, uh, incredible interview with Nick Cave and Rick Rubin. And um, it's just a phenomenal chat. And uh, in it, Nick Cave has this line about a true lyric. Um, and when it's a true lyric, it accrues meaning over time from different people and different stories, and it gets bigger and bigger. Um, but you know it's true from the start when you've written it. And I think that's there's something like, I think we've all felt it in conversations where something comes out that just like sums up exactly what you're feeling and exactly what's going on, 
and there's this moment where you're like, I've really nailed that. I've, for me, that's one of the most satisfying things in life when you can actually eloquently put your finger on what's going on. Um, and so that kind of relentless mm. sort of uh, pursuit of trying to be accurate with what's going on, wh- rather than just trying to be vulnerable, I think for me is the probably the way I frame it internally of just trying to be accurate. Because if I can pinpoint that accurate Right. It's kind of like getting a knot in a massage and the muscle kind of just all opening up and relaxing out of it. Mm. But you've got to get it right on. Really, so, um, really fucking smart move bringing up Nick Cave in our Triple J interview. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, there's been a few musicians that. dropped here and there. <laughs> no, I love that though because as well, it's like a practice as well, right? Absolutely. Like you, yeah, It's yeah. not like overnight. Like this kind of thing doesn't happen overnight. As you were saying, it's baby steps. As you were saying, Ryan, it's it's like – there's different ways to attack vulnerability. There's different ways to express it. And yeah, it's, yeah. It's- and sometimes people say vulnerable, what seems vulnerable. Like sometimes I listen to episodes and um, I won't, oh, no, I won't say who, no. Um, there's just a few where I'm like, I don't know if you're actually, like this isn't from a judgy perspective, but it's like people who struggle with perfection. I don't know even right now if you are being vulnerable or you're just sharing something that sounds vulnerable mm. mm-hmm. because it's mm. a bit of a traumatic experience, but you've perfected yeah, the, the story yeah, yeah. and the telling of it. You spot on. And sometimes you listen and you can tell when it comes to what you were saying, Josh, they're not being completely authentic to themselves because mm. they're still hiding. And that's fine. They're still hiding a part of that vulnerability or they're like not completely letting the guard down to say something that is vulnerable. It's like a con- constructed story of a vun- something that might be seeming vulnerable. Yeah. And that is, that's actually something that I sometimes struggle with doing the podcast because sometimes I've got to really ask myself, am I only sharing this thing because I know it's going to make for a good episode so, or am I sharing the thing because I think it's important to talk about? So it's like trying to sort of decipher between like content and truth or something like I'm never like saying something that isn't true but sometimes I can tell that I'm like oh this this will make for a good episode but it's like and like I guess like the whole point of doing the podcast is to help people like that's Mm. you know to make people feel less alone so ultimately it probably is good if it's true to share it but you do you know I do catch myself going like oh god I don't know would I have really said this to anyone if I didn't have the podcast probably not and that's kind of a strange situation that we're in where we're like telling people to be vulnerable but often I'm only talking about vulnerable things as openly as I am because I have the podcast um anyway I don't really know how helpful that is to say but yeah it's funny the the format of the podcast is funny because I reckon even Hugh and I almost have more honest conversations with the with the mic and the cameras Mm. on because it's like I think because you're like well it's being recorded so I've got to get this right (laughs) there's no I can't and people are listening so I can't, there's no bullshitting here because I, it's because of that thing about, to me, it's really important to get it right and to not lie. And now it's being recorded. So I've got there's no second chance here. Totally. So it ends up being mm. quite a, so I start a podcast, I think, is well, the way for it's guys like, to get. It's the accountability <laughs> thing as well, right? Like sometimes like we'll do episodes on something and um, I'll be like, oh, I've never said that to anyone or it'll be about like my partner or about someone. And then I'm like, well, they don't even know that. 
I haven't even said that to them. I yeah. know. And I then know. I'm like the freaking out because I'm like, well, I know they don't listen. Uh, yeah. But I'm I, like, what if they do? <laughs> Look, this, yeah, I feel like we could talk to you forever. Yeah. Like, Likewise. you mm. are both so incredible and I'm such a fan of the podcast and oh, have been for a long time. And um, yeah, we'll have to hopefully see Hugh sometime as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he would have loved. Where he was, was he? Huh? He was devastated. He would have loved to have come yeah. and felt like he belonged at Triple J. But um. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give him a sticker to take home. We've got some stickers. I wonder what musician he would have dropped. <laughs> oh, God. I shudder to think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, he, actually, he's quite into trance music, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, he oh yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I feel like it's trance from like 1998. Yeah. So I'm not sure if that has a lot of currency yeah. around here. I was going to yeah. say, is he hitting up Boiler Room? He's like going no. to the... Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. No, he'll, he's probably got Ministry context. of Sound CDs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, we're sister station with Double J. We could have just yeah, yeah, that's ushered him into true. a room with or Zan. all of our vibe. Zan, even yeah. Zan would buy. <laughs> um, no, we'll give you some Triple J merch, like earring or something to, oh <laughs> to take back. That's genuinely meaningful. <laughs> yeah, that is huge. Yeah, I'll take that box, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, seriously, appreciate you both. Thank you so much for, for coming you. on The Hookup. Oh, thank you for having us. It's a, it's an honour, especially yeah. to be on an award-winning podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. Hey, First award you're in a steam company. Yeah. <laughs> Dee, I don't know if you realise, but we forgot to give Ryan and Josh Triple J merch. Oh, we did. Like, they fully were, like, so excited. They were like, this means everything to us. We we love Triple J. Wait, we're going to have to just, like, ship out some stickers or something. We've got some bottle openers flying around. Oh, my God. Imagine that, driving into their (laughs) podcast studios with some Triple J (laughs) stickers on the back of their car. Oh, my God. Sorry, Ryan and Josh. We'll get that to you ASAP. Um, That was just – I still am, like, in awe of that chat. It was so – incredible like it was awesome to just hear them talk about i mean they're pros at vulnerability Mm. but like to open up about some of the struggles that they've gone through themselves yeah like yeah if you haven't already looked up the imperfects and and gone into your podcast feed definitely do that give them a listen um live shows as well yeah it's happening this year um they are taking themselves on the road hitting up Brizzy, Gold Coast, Newcastle, Perth, uh, Sydney, Melbourne, a bunch of places. So get around it. Um, I think it would be really fun to see them live and like it it would bring a different element because, yeah, again, they are so raw and they're so open. So it would be very intimate, I think. And as always, you can hit us up on our Instagram at Triple J The Hookup. Or if you're old school, our email address, thehookup at abc.net.au. All right, bye. Bye.